Well, go ahead and take a seat. Hey, uh, for our online crowd, you're going to need something today. So if you want to go and get it, you'll be ready for, for what we're going to do in about the next few minutes. But you're going to need a penny. For those of you in the room, did you guys get your pennies when you came in today? It's a new technique we're trying. We're paying you to come to church. Nah, and it's just a penny. If you don't have a penny, maybe dig in, find some change. You can pick one up on your way out. But if you are at home, go and uh, raid your piggy bank, get you a penny, because we're going to talk through that here in just a little bit. But it is Valentine's Day, so I feel obligated to, to share a little bit of what goes on inside my brain on Valentine's Day. So I have here, these, these are going to be for my wife. Becky is currently serving in local kids right now for this service, so um, she doesn't get them during service. She will get them right afterwards. And that's a good place for, oh, you're such a great husband. Awesome. Wish my husband did that. You're welcome, husbands. Anyway, but here's the reality of what goes through my head. So I went and picked these up. My, my middle son, Cole, he went with me. We were getting some Valentine's Day stuff for Becky today. We pick up the flowers, and, and we're going to pay. And, and you know they jack the price up on flowers for Valentine's Day, right? You know that. So I go, and I get ready to pay, and they tell me how much it is. And I'm like, excuse me? For 12 plants, I have to pay what? And so like, that's what goes through my mind. And, and, I'm, and I'm looking at these, these red flowers and I'm thinking how much it's gonna cost. And I'm like, is it really worth it? Is it really gonna make a big difference? Like, what if I didn't get flowers this year and I used that money to do something? Like, that's what was going through my head. But then I had another thought go through my head. What happens if I don't get the flowers? Exactly. Right, we all know how that goes. So there's one side, one perspective that says this is a waste of money because they're going to die eventually. It's not worth it financially. There's not a real investment. You're not gonna, it, there's just a lot of reasons why we could argue that these flowers would be a waste of money on one side. But on the other side, on my wife's side, it is not a waste. In fact, it is a total act of love. An act of sacrifice, even knowing, knowing it, it's me that this was hard to purchase. But she sees something very different than the way I would see something. See, this entire series, we're looking at just that, this idea of the other side. That on one side, it doesn't feel like it's going to do much. It doesn't feel like it would make a difference. Is it really helping? Is it really valuable? Is it really worth it? We wrestle with those questions on one side. But I'm telling you, on the other side, you have no idea what that act of love could do in that person's life. This whole month of February, we're talking about this one word, compassion. The idea that the compassion you give we talked about this last week, that compassion is not just a feeling, it's not just a thought, it's an action, it's something we do. We don't just observe it, no, we are moved to act and to do something because of the compassion that we feel. And you have no idea what could be on the other side of your compassion. No idea what's on the other side of your compassion. We shared a challenge last week, encouraging you to do just that, encourage or compliment one person a day for the next seven days. So send a text message, send that email, write a message, pick up the phone and make the call, say it to their face, some encouragement, some compliment once a day to a different person every day for seven days and see the impact. And I heard so many great stories of just that where I heard, hey, I just texted somebody that God put on my heart or I was thinking about them. So I just texted, hey, you're doing a good job or I'm thinking about you or how can I pray for you? And the response was almost the same of what people told me. 
they just got unloaded. Oh, you wouldn't believe how much that meant to me. You don't know what we were going through. That was the perfect timing. Because you have no idea what could be on the other side of your compassion. First John gives us great language along this idea. First John chapter 3, starting in verse 16. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. That's the love that Jesus has for you. That's the love Jesus has for me. That's why Jesus came, so that he could give up his life for us. And that's real love. Now, because of that, the second part of verse 16, so we ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need, but shows no, here's the word we're talking about all month, say it with me, shows no compassion. Well, how can God's love be in that person? Dear children, talking to us, let's not merely say we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. So even though it's an action that on one side doesn't seem worth it, you have no idea what an act of love and compassion can do in somebody else's life. Now, there's a key part that we see both in how Jesus loved us and how we are called to love others. It's this phrase, two words, give up. It says, real love because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. So again, compassion speaks to action and movement, but there's also something that is given up in the midst of compassion. That's what we're gonna focus on today. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for the love that you have for us, that you gave up your life for us. I pray that as we dig into your scriptures and we try to figure out not just what it means, but how it applies to our everyday life, I pray that you, you move us to act in compassion, that we would be willing to move and even willing to give up as we figure out what it means to love our neighbor as ourselves. In your name, amen. So this whole month, like I said, we're talking about compassion, the other side, no idea what's on the other side of those acts of compassion. And specifically, there's one parable, one story throughout scripture that really does a, the best job of helping us answer the question, how do we love our neighbor as ourselves? What does it mean to love one another? And that's the parable of the Good Samaritan. We started looking at this parable last week and every week in February, yes, we are gonna look at the same parable, but you're gonna discover something different each time as we kind of pull apart the layers of compassion. So again, if last week was the movement of compassion, the action behind compassion, this week I want you to pay attention to what is given up in the name of compassion. So let's go through the story of the Good Samaritan again and look for what is given up. Because you know how the story starts. Somebody said to Jesus, well, who exactly is my neighbor? What does it mean to love my neighbor? So Jesus begins telling a parable, a story. It starts out with one man, a priest, who walks by and sees a man that's in need. Sees a man that has been beaten, left for dead on the side of the road, but this priest sees him and then passes by on the other side. Might feel compassion, but doesn't act on that compassion. A second man, a Levite or a temple assistant, also sees that same man beaten, left for dead on the side of the road and doesn't stop. He also, like the first man, passes by on the other side and keeps going. And then we're gonna pick the story up with the third man. Verse 33 out of Luke chapter nine. Then a despised Samaritan came along and when he saw the man, he felt compassion. There's our word. He felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. 
The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. So that's the story. Now Jesus looks back to the man that started this whole conversation, the man that asked, well, exactly who's my neighbor? And Jesus says this, verse 36, now which one of these three, the priest, the Levite, or the Samaritan, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits, Jesus asked. Verse 37, the man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same That's what I want us to be wrestling with this whole month is what does it look like for us to go and do the same? If we're trying to figure out not just who our neighbor is, but how we love our neighbor as ourselves, well then what's the movement look like? And as we're focusing on today, what's the cost? See, if you go through, as we go through the parable of the Good Samaritan, we're gonna pull this apart in just a second, but you recognize that the Samaritan had to give up several things. In order to act on that compassion, he also had to give up some things. There was a cost to the compassion. There is always a cost to compassion. Almost every time when we want to give to someone else, when we want to help someone else, when we want to meet a need, when we want to love others, there is a cost to compassion because it requires us giving something up, right? Now there's a word that will kind of bring all of that together. Here's the word, you're gonna hear it a lot, sacrifice requires sacrifice. Sacrifice says, here's something I've been given, here's something I have, and I'm going to sacrifice it for the good of somebody else. That's what sacrifice means. You give up for a purpose or you give up for the sake of someone else. So there is sacrifice involved when we act in compassion, when we live a life of compassion. So let's go back through the story. I want you to see where he gave up, where the Samaritan had to give up, what he had to sacrifice, because even though the situation is very different between us and this story, I think the same compassion cost us the same thing as it does the Samaritan. What he had to give up, what he had to sacrifice, I think is the exact same thing you and I would have to sacrifice and give up in the name of compassion. So here's the first part. The despised Samaritan came along, he saw the man, and then what did he do? He went over to him, The Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. So here's what it cost him. He had something, he had the olive oil, he had the wine, he had the bandages. And in order to take care of this other man left on the side of the road, he had to use what he had. He had to give it up for this man. In other words, compassion will cost you your stuff. Just the stuff that you have. Right? We all have stuff that we accumulate, that we hold onto, that we have, that we work towards and work for. We all have this stuff. And then when somebody else is in need, sometimes it costs us our stuff. Where we say, oh, I don't know if I want to give up my stuff for someone else. See, there's probably a reason why the Good Samaritan was, was traveling with bandages and olive oil and wine in, in case he needed it. In case he got hurt, in case he had to take care of himself, he would have the right materials, the right supplies, the right stuff to take care of himself. So here, he sees a man that now needs his stuff. And he was willing to give that up. If you're a parent, you know there's a lot of sacrifice involved with parenting and and raising kids. Early on, It was just giving up sleep. You sacrifice your sleep for the sake of your kids. And the more I've grown up and now with my own kids, I recognize more and more and more all that my parents sacrificed for me and gave up for me. The stage of life that my wife and I are in now with the age of our kids, you know what we feel like we sacrifice more than anything else now? 
It's not so much the sleep. That's just you learn to live with that. I don't feel like we'll ever get that back, but you learn to kind of deal with it. The stage of life that we're in now, what we feel like we sacrifice now more than anything else is the TV remote. That's it. The TV remote. You know, I found the TV, the TV remote in the pockets of my kids before when they're not even in the same room watching TV anymore. That's just, they now feel like they own the TV remote. And in fact, I make sure that my kids recognize that I'm the one giving that thing up, that I'm giving up the TV for them. So I'll say things like, do you know how much your mom and dad love you, Connor, Cole, and Collins? And they just kind of stare at me. It's like, because what you're watching, like that's mine. That TV is mine. The Apple TV connected to the TV, that's also mine. That little remote that you're holding on to and leaving random places where I can never find it, that's mine. But we're gonna watch what you wanna watch. So instead of my shows or Becky shows, we end up watching shows like Bluey and Wildcrats and Zaboomafoo. Out of all the shows, Zaboomafoo is something, don't clap for Zaboomafoo. <laughs> Now's not the time. This is a mild rant. <laughs> So we give up our shows and I give up my remote and my TV for my kids because I do love them that much. Now it's funny because I'll remind them just how much I give up and sacrifice for my kids, which proves how much I love them. And my kids will look and say, well, you can just watch your shows after we go to bed. And I say, oh, son, we are so exhausted by the time you go to bed, we fall asleep before we can even find the remote. So no, we give that up. So we give things up for the people we love, don't we? We give up our stuff. Oftentimes we hold on to that stuff because who knows when I'll need it. But the Good Samaritan shows us that compassion requires giving up. There's a cost and oftentimes the cost is your stuff. Here's the next part. So he goes over and he bandaged his wounds with the wine and the bandages. Here's the next part. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. Now, I don't want you to miss that part because it's very significant. I don't want you to miss what's happening. So let me kind of say it in some different language here. The Samaritan, the man, got off his donkey to help somebody else. If it helps, you could read the King James Version. It'll say it a little bit different but he got off his own donkey. Some of you are getting it. Some of you will get it a little bit later, that's okay. He got off his donkey, something that was very comfortable for him to give up his comfort for someone else. That's the second part of this. Compassion will cost you your comfort. It's so much easier to just sit back, relax, do your own thing with your own time and do whatever you wanna do. But here, he actually got off what was most comfortable for him. He moved and he got off his donkey and allowed somebody else to ride. Becky and I, we love planning our family vacations. In fact, that's one of the things we do in January of every year. We just start putting together a list of what would we do if and what about this? And we don't do all of them, but it's fun to plan and dream and, and just have some ideas of this year, if we wanted to, or if we could, or if we could make it work, like this would be the vacations we'd wanna do as a family. And almost all of those vacations have one thing in common. We don't really do anything on vacation. It doesn't really matter where we go, it's just, Oh, to not do anything. Like that's an ideal vacation for us. We're beach bumps, so we've already got our beach vacation planned in June. And when I come back from that vacation, you're gonna say, Brian, how was it? What'd you do? And I'm gonna say, I did absolutely nothing. And it was everything I thought it would be. 
to just sit and relax and, and there's no times and there's no alarms. It's just you do whatever you want to do. Now, don't get me wrong. Like, those are important. You need to have opportunities and moments where you're resting. You have a vacation. That's great. Everybody does their own vacation. Some of you are just crazy people. You go and just, your idea of a vacation is go, 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 go. You got to have moments where you're not doing much. But let me say this. I don't think you can do both. I don't think you can do nothing and also desire to live a life of compassion. Because the very definition of compassion is part, partially sacrificial meaning you're going to have to give up what's most comfortable for you. You're going to have to give up the time, and it's going to take effort. It's going to take energy, and it's going to get messy, and it's going to be difficult. It's going to push you outside of your comfort zone. Compassion will cost you your comfort. It would have been a lot easier for the Samaritan to just stay riding along and minding his own business. But he got off his donkey and let somebody else ride. He gave up his comfort. Here's the last part. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I will pay you the next time I'm here. This is a hard one. We don't like talking about it, but it's in the scripture, so we got to talk about it. Compassion will cost you your money. It most certainly will. It wasn't just, I think this is an important part of the story where the good Samaritan didn't just help with what he had in the moment. Like this is an above and beyond opportunity and moment of compassion, isn't it? Where he not just took him to the inn, he gave up his stuff, he gave up his comfort, but then he went to the innkeeper and he said, here's the money to get you started. Here's two silver coins, but he didn't end there. It wasn't a here's two silver coins and when that runs up, sorry about your luck, hopefully that was enough. <laughs> It was, here's two silver coins, take care of them, and whatever it takes, that's a hard phrase, whatever it takes to help this man, I'll pay the rest when I come back. He didn't put a limit on it. He didn't say, whatever it takes, up to two more silver coins. <laughs> whatever it takes, but how about we split? You want to go 50-50 on this one? Whatever it takes, I'll cover. I'll do whatever it takes financially to make sure this man is okay. Man, that's difficult for us. And here's why. And this has nothing to do with how much or how little you make or what your view is of that. It has to do with what's called a scarcity mindset. A scarcity mindset says, I can't give this up. I can't share this. I can't release this because who knows if I'm gonna need it. If I give up this money now, talking about the, the two silver coins, if I give up the two silver coins, what if I need two silver coins later on? Then what am I going to do? Then who's going to help me? That's the mindset when we say a, a mindset of scarcity. Instead, what we see with the Good Samaritan is the opposite of that, a mindset of abundance that says, not I have enough, but it's whatever I share, I know I'm still going to be taken care of. So please don't misunderstand the mindset of abundance. It's not, I have plenty. It's, I know I'll be taken care of. So if I spend two silver coins and whatever else it takes to take care of this man, I trust my God enough that he will also take care of me. I don't have a scarcity mindset because I know God will take care of me. I know I can trust him and I know he will be faithful. Second Corinthians chapter nine, incredible passage on this topic. In fact, this week, if you're looking for something to dig into scripturally, read the entire chapter of 2 Corinthians 9. I'm just going to read a few parts of it. I would encourage you, read through the entire thing. Here's just a small part of it. Verse 6. Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, 
But the one who plants, say this word with me, one who plants what? Generously, look at the result, will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your own heart, it starts in your heart, you must decide in your own heart how much to give. Oh, but don't miss this. But don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. I'm gonna say it again. But don't give out of reluctance or in response to pressure. For God loves a cheerful giver. God loves one who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all you need. There's the mindset of abundance. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. Like I said, there's so much in there. If you keep reading, you'll see more of the heart behind God, the heart of God behind giving and generosity and giving up financially even. See, we give to others and then we allow God to take care of us. But notice which one comes first here. We have to plant the seeds of generosity first, then we get the generous crop. It's not, well, God, give me more so that I can give. It's, let me give more so then I can watch you be faithful in my life. The order is important. And the Good Samaritan was willing to give up a lot in the name of compassion, the name of loving someone else, loving his neighbor as himself. So the cost of compassion, the sacrifice that is associated with loving and compassion started with giving up stuff. Compassion is going to cost you your stuff. It's also going to cost you that time, the effort, the energy, or your comfort. But there's also a cost financially as well. To say whatever it takes to love other people, God, whatever it costs. Do you have your penny? Pull your penny out for me. You got your penny? At home, here's where you need your penny. Pennies are an interesting thing because they are practically worthless. <laughs> I mean, it's a cent, literally one cent. There's nothing you can really do for one cent, but it brings so much joy and excitement with it, at least for younger kids. You probably know this. You find a penny, pick it up, then all day long, you'll have good luck. That's right. So I've seen this play out with my kids more than, more, on more than one occasion. One most as recently as yesterday. It was rainy, nasty, so we just, we just got to get out of the house. We went as a family to walk the dog, and we're walking down the street of our neighborhood, and sure enough, there is a penny on the side of the road, and the kids totally missed it. So as I'm passing, I was like, hey guys, a penny, and it was like I said, hey guys, a million dollars, like they just swarmed around this thing and they were so excited. It turned into a fight. I kid you not to the point where we had to take turns holding the penny on this walk in our neighborhood. Like this is ridiculous. I've got a bunch of pennies at the house. We'll just spread it out. But they were so excited. There was so much joy, so much excitement that they had found a penny. That it was a big deal for them. Now let me show you something on the other side. Whoever dropped that penny, whoever gave up that penny, whoever lost that penny, I can almost guarantee you that they did not get home after dropping or losing that penny and say, oh no, honey, so, so, everybody stop what you're doing. I've lost a penny. Everybody in the car, we have to retrace my steps. We have to go find the penny that I lost. I can almost guarantee it didn't happen because it's a penny. And it wasn't worth much to one person. And I also can prob probably guarantee that that person that dropped or lost the penny had no idea the joy and excitement that would it bring and the fights. <laughs> it would bring three kids while walking their dog in the neighborhood. You have no idea. See, the sacrifice, the giving up for the name, in the name of compassion isn't so much how much. 
Like that, that's not, that's not a, a helpful conversation. Well, how much, how much should, or how much is enough? It's the fact that you give something. So even if it's a penny to one person, it doesn't seem like it's worth much, but you have no idea what that could mean in somebody else's life. You have no idea what could be on the other side of your compassion and your sacrifice. Now do this with me. Take your penny, hold it out in your hand like this. Got it? Now make a really tight fist around your penny. Because this is your penny. You got this penny at church. You got this penny for coming to church today. No one's going to take that penny away. So real tight fist around that penny. You're not going to let go. Now here's what I promise you is going to happen at some point. All the stuff and all the comfort and all the money that God has given you. And don't miss, make that mistake. Everything is God's. And he's letting you hold on to some of it. But there's going to come a point, I promise, where God's going to say, hey, that penny I gave you, I want to, I want to give that to somebody else. And you're like, uh-uh, that's my penny. You gave me that penny. I'm holding on to that penny. And I'm telling you, God doesn't take no very well. He says, no, I'm going to teach you sacrifice. I'm going to help you understand sacrifice. So do you know what happens if you're holding on this tight to your penny? It becomes very painful when those fingers start getting pried open. It starts to even feel like maybe a, a twist of the arm, like, no, 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 I don't want to give it up. And it's not an enjoyable experience trying to learn to sacrifice when you have a hand that is held this tightly around your stuff and your comfort and your finances. Now do me a favor and open it up. Hold your hand open. Now when God comes to you and says, hey, that penny that I gave you, watch what I'm going to do with it. And he goes and he moves it to somebody else. It's a different feeling, isn't it? You know what else makes this, makes a lot more sense holding your hand open? Not just giving, but receiving. You know how hard it is to receive something with a closed fist? It makes a big difference when you hold your hand open. You say, God, whatever you've given me, I'm ready to give to somebody else. I'm ready to sacrifice and give up in the name of compassion and loving others. And just like we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, then that gives God an opportunity to then give back to us. Or as Proverbs says, those that refresh others will also be refreshed themselves. This is how we give. This is how we sacrifice with an open hand. We will learn to sacrifice one way or the other. I suggest learning like this rather than like this because you have no idea what is on the other side, what could be on the other side of what you give up for somebody else. In our fourth and fifth grade ministry, there's a student, her name is Addie, and Addie it was in church last week, parents were in church last week, and they've been learning in the fourth and fifth grade at ministry all about compassion and kindness as well, and, and not just what does it mean to be kind and compassionate, but how do we live that out? What does that mean? What does that look like? So she had learned that last week, and, and after church, her and her mom, like they do on many occasions, went to the store after church. And they're walking around the store, and Addie stops as she sees some backpacks and looks at her mom, Lisa, and says, can we buy a backpack? And I'm sure there was a conversation from Lisa to Addie saying, well, honey, you have a backpack, or you don't need another backpack. Help me understand why we're at the store and why we need to buy a backpack. Then Addie gets a chance to explain what they talked about in church and how she's been learning compassion and kindness and how she had noticed that there was a student in her class at school that had a busted backpack. 
And when that busted backpack got brought up to this student at some point, the student replied in some form or fashion, kind of giving the hint or the idea that wouldn't have enough money to afford a new one, so just kind of you make do with what you got, like some kind of phrasing there, but it's stuck in Addie's mind. So then after learning about compassion and kindness, being at the store and seeing a backpack, says, Mom, can we get a backpack for the student in my class? And of course, Mom's like, absolutely, we'll buy, we'll buy the backpack. So they get the backpack. It cost something, didn't it? And then there was a great discussion with the parents and Addie saying, now, like, there's going to be some awkward moments because, like, trying to give somebody else a backpack who didn't ask for the backpack, like, compassion can be awkward and messy. So they talked about how it was going to push her outside of her comfort zone a little bit. So Addie wrote a note, put it in the backpack, went outside of her comfort zone, and put the backpack in this student's desk. Compassion will cost you. But you have no idea what could be on the other side of that sacrifice and that compassion. We have no idea what that backpack will do in that student's heart. What that opens him up to. What that shows him. And how God will use something as simple as a backpack. But please don't miss it. There is a cost. Let me help us with this. If we want to get from a tight fist to an open fist, let me give you four words that I think will help with that. You will spend a lifetime trying to work on it, but here's just some direction to help you potentially. The first one is pray. You have to pray for it, right? Help me to be more sacrificial. Help me to be more compassionate. Open my eyes, open my ears, open my heart, open my hands. That's a great prayer to pray as you're learning to be compassionate and to give sacrificially. Second word is prepare. You might not know exactly when the moment is gonna happen. You don't know when that good Samaritan moment is gonna happen. You don't know when the backpack moment is gonna happen, but you can prepare for it. You can budget for it. You can already be working on the open hand saying, I know at some point I'm gonna give sacrificially. I know at some point I'm gonna gonna act in an act of compassion. It's gonna cost me something. So you prepare yourself ahead of time for it. You're ready for it. Third word is prioritize. See, ultimately, sacrifice comes down to choice. Am I going to choose to hold on or am I going to choose to let go? And you have to prioritize. And I would suggest prioritize ahead of time because in the moment, it's a lot easier to hold on. It's a lot easier to have good excuses and to talk yourself out of it. So you prioritize in the moment or before the moment. You say, you know what? We are gonna be a family. We are gonna be individuals. We are going to be a church that prioritizes compassion, which we know comes with sacrifice. The last word is perspective. Keep the right perspective. I said it earlier. I want to make sure you catch it. It's all God's anyway. The right perspective is whatever I have is already his. It was his from the beginning. And he's chosen to give me this in this season and this time. But he can always say, Brian, it's time to give that to somebody else. Brian, I want, to see, I want you to see how I'm going to use what I gave you. And now we're going to use it over here. And watch what I'm going to do because you could never do it on your own. But look what happens when you follow me in that. Keep the right perspective because you have no idea what could be on the other side of your sacrifice. Now, last week we did something very similar to what we're gonna do today. Each week, I wanna help you live this out very, very practically, right? 
So the penny will help as a good reminder of like, yes, I'm supposed to have an open hand, but we're gonna make it super practical where you can actually do that this week over the next seven days. I mentioned last week, there's a bunch of what we call the one another's. If we can put the one another's up on the screen, we'll post it on social media this week, or you can take a picture of it. Great study, because it's not all of them, but it's a good chunk of all the one another's. If we're gonna love one another, if we are gonna be compassionate towards one another, this is where we start. So this is how we begin to live that commandment out, to love one another just as he's loved us, we love others. Then if you go to the next slide, now we start to make it more personal. We say, well, it's not just loving one another. It's not just serving one another, praying for one another, encouraging one another. We're gonna start putting names in those. So it's not just one another anymore. So we did that last week. I mentioned with the compliment and the encouragement. You put somebody's name in that blank every day for the last seven days. We're gonna do the exact same thing. We're gonna pick one because this gets very overwhelming. (laughs) So let's pick one, focus on it for seven days and let's see what God can do through you. So the one we're gonna focus on is the serve one another. Serve one another, if you look in the passage in Galatians 5 that speaks about serving one another, that word serve there is the word doulos, the Greek word doulos, which literally means somebody that was free gives up all the rights to somebody else. It's an interesting idea, isn't it? Doulos is someone that says, I have the freedom to do whatever I want, and I'm choosing to give my rights up to someone else. That's sacrifice. Serving is an act of compassion and sacrifice where you have to give up. It is going to cost you. You cannot serve someone and not give something up. So if we're going to focus on serving one another for the next seven days, here's the question I'm gonna have you ask, and you're gonna ask one person this question each day for the next seven days, not if you're with me on this one. Give me some thumbs up online. One person for the next seven days, you don't even know what the question is, and I already got you saying yes to me. That's dangerous. (laughs) Here it is, here's the question. How can I help you? How can I help you? Ask that question to one person each day for the next seven days. Here's why that question is so important. I don't think it's possible to ask the question, how can I help you with a closed fist? I don't think that's possible. Hey, how can I help you? Oh no, I can't do that. Hey, how can I help you? Nope, too much. No, the the very nature of the question, how can I help you, requires us to open our hands. How can I help you? And yes, I know it's gonna cost me my stuff. How can I help you? And yes, I know it's gonna cost me my comfort and my time and energy, and my schedule. How can I help you? And yes, I know it might cost me some money. The very nature of the question requires us to open our hands. So are you with me on that? Seven days, ask one person each day for the next seven days, ask them that open-handed question, how can I help you? And watch what God might do, because you have no idea what God can do on the other side of your sacrifice. 1 John chapter 4, verse 9. God showed us how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice. It cost him something. It cost him everything. Jesus gave up his life for us out of the most extreme act of love and compassion that has ever existed. His love, his compassion cost him his life. 
but he loved us so much that he sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. I love verse 11. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. Like, surely we can do this. Surely we can love others and give them just a glimpse of the love that he's given us. See, the gospel changes your life for all of eternity and that eternity, it starts today. So the gospel changes you, which moves from a closed fist to an open fist. It says, man, what God has given me, the love, the grace, the forgiveness, the second chance, the third chance, the fourth chance, all he's done for me already, the open hands that he put on the cross for me. Now, you mean I get a chance? Surely I can open my hands to the other people around me. Surely I can open my hands like he opened his. But it begins with receiving his love before we can ever give it back. If you do something with me at home and right here, would you just hold a hand out in front of you? You don't need your penny at this point. This is a position of surrender. And if I could encourage you before we close out our time today, before you get excited about what God might do through you, can you ask him to move in you first? And in order to do that, before we sacrifice, do you know what we need to do? Surrender. Before you begin loving others, you need to surrender to his love first. If you've never surrendered to Jesus, I pray you would do that today. If you have, may this be a reminder of the open hand that Jesus has given you and the open hand we give him back. Jesus, we come before you open-handed, surrendering our lives to you. We only look to you. We trust you. We put our full faith in you that when we give to others, we know without a doubt that you will always take care of us. So we don't have to live in fear. We don't have to live with a scarcity mindset anymore, but instead because of our faith and your faithfulness, we get to live with a mindset of abundance that says, I have the freedom to give because I know that you will take care of me. I have the freedom to love because of how much you've already loved me. I have the freedom to forgive because of how great you've already forgiven me. With an open hand, we are free. May we use our freedom to serve others like you have served us. May that question be in the front of our mind this week, how can we help others? Because that's the question you wrestled with yourself. And the answer was for you to send your son to die for our sins. Jesus, thank you for your sacrifice. We surrender our lives to you. Help us to sacrifice ours as well. In Jesus' name, amen.